welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today we have a lot in store. Going to be talking about Isaiah Roby and the OKC Thunder deciding to waive him Sunday evening. Going to talk about the Thunder's latest pickup with their final two-way contract in Eugene Omoruyi and what he's going to be able to bring to the team And I also want to talk about this Summer League roster in general and what we know so far en route to them playing literally tomorrow in Utah. So that is going to be a fun little breakdown to go into. Also have a very special offer from my good friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, so make sure to stick around for that offer. We're starting out here, though, with Isaiah Roby, man, and... You know, the Thunder, plain and simple, they decided to waive him Sunday night. And, you know, I think that this could be viewed as, you know, maybe a bad wave. You know, he didn't deserve to be waived. Obviously, there's there's skill with Roby, but a lot of what happened, I believe, in terms of this transaction kind of results in overall team fit and how Roby would have impacted the roster going into next year. Isaiah Roby's an NBA player. This is something that is not a hot take. You know, I I don't think there's, I don't think that's the minority. You know, most people who have been covering the team are going to tell you that Isaiah Roby should be on an NBA roster. The problem is Oklahoma City is not really the best spot for him because if you look at Roby's track record, he basically had nothing given to him when he got traded to the OKC Thunder. Former 45 pick number 45 in the second round, the Thunder had to trade Justin Patton to get Isaiah Roby. Justin Patton, I don't even remember if he played a game with the Thunder, to be quite honest with you. So they had Roby, and going into the 2020-21 training camp, it wasn't like Isaiah Roby was a home run hit to be on the 15-man roster. You know, the Thunder just started their fire sale Everything was torn down. SGA had received the torch, and it was clear that the Thunder were looking to tank. At that time, I believe Isaiah would have been 22 years old going into the camp. But, you know, there was this chatter, like I mentioned, of, you know, how is he going to hang around on the roster? The OKC Thunder, two years ago had a pretty good training camp, all things considered. It wasn't like easy cut after easy cut. They had Jalen LeCue for about a week. They didn't take him to training camp, but they traded him for TJ Leaf, former first rounder, had Frank Jackson just torch it up in the preseason. And then Admiral Schofield seemed like a pretty compelling uh, prospect because of his body and because of Lou Dort and maybe the combination you could have there. Roby was sort of on the outside looking in. I'd say Kenrich Williams was also there, but they worked themselves out of that fairly quickly. I'd say after the first preseason game, it was clear as day Isaiah Roby was making the roster. He had to play up a few sizes to that four and five position, and he was just setting high ball screen after high ball screen for Teo, who, you know, that was his first slate of games. He was a rookie. But they were beautifully executing out of the pick and roll. San Antonio could not stop them. And you could tell that Roby had an edge in that area of his game. So he stays on the roster. And very surprisingly, you know, he started a good chunk of last season. And by that, I mean 2020, 2021. 
played 61 games and started 34 of them. Pretty good averages, about nine points and six rebounds a pop. Didn't shoot particularly well from three, but, you know, he was a decent fill-in player. You kind of knew the situation when the Thunder had Al Horford at the helm. Like, basically, they were looking to field minutes anywhere they could because there was just a major discrepancy at the five. This was before Moses Brown had been kind of dug from the depths of the G League. Omer Yurt 7 didn't even scathe the Thunder court, but... You know, they didn't have centers. So, Roby, he played up to the five. You saw a lot of, you know, back-to-basket bigs really eat his lunch at times. I remember Ennis Cantor, whenever they faced the Trailblazers, was dropping 20-20 games almost because he couldn't stop him on the offensive glass. So, he had an issue defending those back-to-basket bigs. But in some situations, even basically as a rookie, because he hardly played his first season, You know, he was showing glimpses of potential playing at the five, which is very nice for him because he's 6'8 with a 7'3 wingspan. Last season, there was another wrinkle added, and I think it sucks for Roby because he proved himself as a sophomore, but I think he proved himself in an area that the Thunder clearly were looking to utilize in the short term. I don't think OKC is looking to field 6-8 guys at the center spot when they're making the playoffs. And you saw that in how they drafted this year. Chet Holmgren at 2, and then they got Jay Will at 34. That's a pretty valuable pick as well. You know, they want to have traditional centers. It just took a couple years. Phased out Moses Brown, phased out Tony Bradley, and they pick up Jeremiah Robinson Earl at 32. JRE basically has the exact same archetype as Isaiah does. He's another guy who, in college, was a power forward, pretty decent ball handler, good passer for his size, and he's shown some capabilities playing out of the pick and roll and even popping for the three-point shot. So he got plugged in, and Isaiah was kind of thrown to the wayside to start this season out. He wasn't in the rotation. JRE was the starter. And then you'd have guys like Favors and Muscala splitting reps for the backup center spot. I think Roby's third year would have probably stayed that way had JRE not been injured. And the craziest thing is you have Isaiah Roby not playing to begin the season. He's playing with the OKC Blue. He's dropping double-double after double-double. He was one of their best players. And you could kind of tell that he wasn't a G League type of guy. Like, he had... A lot of the kinks kind of undone. I think with G-Leaguers, the talent's always there. You sort of have to unkink in a a few areas, and you're good to go. Roby was really polished with the blue, and when he got moved up because of JRE's injury, he passed with flying colors. He started over 50% of the games he played in because either he wasn't in the rotation or he was starting, basically. 28 out of the 45 games, he was the starter. Averaged 10.1 points, 4.8 rebounds, and 1.6 assists. Shot 44.4% from three, man. He was one of their best catch-and-shoot options this year. All it was. Copy and paste over and over. Set the high ball screen. Doesn't matter who it is. Go to the top of the key. Teams were not actively chasing him off of screens. They were either just playing drop coverage or they were hard hedging. They were allowing Roby to take these shots 
just like a little shoot around pop a shot situation he was just hitting them over and over again he was one of their most consistent three-point shooters when it was all said and done this year so he had a really good season be you know all things considered because he didn't have many opportunities to kind of showcase his talent but when he was he popped off and the same goes last year he's not gonna be a center with his new team right like he's built to be a power forward ideally but I think it really shows you the potential that he basically was a primary center in, in his OKC days when that's not where he's used to playing so I think that makes him a very valuable asset going into the waiver pool it was a 1.9 million dollar um, option that the Thunder had they exercised it three days ago but money wasn't guaranteed until Sunday cut him here so he's open to go wherever he would like there's gonna be two days where teams can throw claims in and we'll see where he ends up going I'm certain someone will toss something out because I think there is still you know some room for him on an NBA roster he showed the ability to work in the pick and roll setting if not the catch and shoot had drastically improved from year two to year three and defensively he's not that bad he was playing up to the center spot. He's a he's a power forward, in all honesty here. So OKC cuts him. I'm sure we'll hear more news. If we were going based on talent, I think Roby would still stick around on this roster. And it's a little surprising he was the first to go. But based on minutes, it makes sense why he got moved off. And I bet the Thunder were transparent about it. Sat him down and said, hey... We don't think you're going to be receiving minutes kind of similar to last year, and they might have just talked it out or something, but OKC has already kind of filled out their four and five, and even at the three, they have settled things. That's why he played five in the first place, but they already have Chet now. When you're looking at that backup position, you have options. JRE is the big one that kind of knocks Roby out of competition there. And you have other true centers such as Jay Will and someone like Mike Muscala that sort of washes him out. And at the four, Bays, Poku got more incoming talent depending on how they situate things. So it's it's basically like Roby just doesn't have the spot on the team. So just give him a better situation. I think this is sort of a mutual agreement on both sides. And based on his track record, like I noted, I bet he gets signed fairly soon here. Because at this price tag, he should be very valuable for playoff teams looking to kind of fill out the back end of their roster. So that's the scoop on Isaiah. I've really liked him as a player since he's been in OKC uniform, but... It would have been tough to get him minutes. It really would have been the exact same scenario. So, best of luck as he transitions on to his next team. I want to talk about someone who's going to be joining the Thunder, though, and Eugene Omarui in one second here. But first, I want to let you guys know about a very special offer going on with my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. 
With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. The OKC Thunder get ready for Salt Lake City tomorrow. We'll have to see how the roster fills out, but it should be exciting. Maybe you could get some bets on that one. We got to figure out the rosters, though, first. That is for sure. Best of all, though, with DraftKings Sportsbook, it is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Continuing on though, on the Thunder roster, Isaiah Roby trims the roster down, I believe to 19 but it gets boosted right back up with the Thunders signing that came on Saturday with Eugene Omorui. And this came from Woj. I think his, his agent um, gave the news over to him. But very interesting signing for the Thunder. OKC, they already filled their first two-way contract in Lindy Waters the third Last year's um, other uh, two-way signee was Melvin Frazier Jr. to close the season. He is going to be with the Timberwolves in Summer League. I mentioned this previously, but the Blue had him going into last year. They traded him to the Iowa Wolves, which is the Timberwolves G League affiliate, and then they picked him back up with a two-way contract. So they basically stole the player rights at the end of the season. Looks like the Timberwolves kind of caught Nazi Muhammad in the act, though, because they got him back for the Summer League. Anyways, though, they filled that role again with another wing in Eugene Omorui. He's 25 years old, and he has a pretty long track record leading up to this point. He played three seasons at Rutgers, and then after that, he took a transfer year, so redshirted. And then he played one season at Oregon, and he was pretty good. He averaged 17.1 points, 5.4 rebounds, and 2.3 assists. Shot 37.6% as well. Picked up all Pac-12 honors in the process. So he was a bit older going into last year's draft. Five seasons collegiately. And as we all know now, it's very hard to get selected as an upperclassman, much less one that spent five years in college. So despite him having crazy good numbers, he did not hear his name called, but he had the Dallas Mavericks calling his name for Summer League, played a little bit there, and midway through, he got a two-way contract offer from them. So he was booked for a two-way deal with Dallas. And here is where 
things kind of stink for him. So he joins the team, played four NBA games with the Mavs. I think that totaled out to 18 minutes. And he was balling out at the G League level when he was on assignment. This was the first couple months of the year. I think G League must have started in like mid-November, I believe. So you couldn't get as much reps here. But from November to December, he played eight Winter Showcase Cup games. Averaged 15.8 points, 6.8 rebounds, and 2.9 assists. So all across the board, he was a pretty productive player for the Texas Legends. And he was doing it in a pretty good position. Kind of sliding between the shooting guard, small forward spot. You could tell why the Mavs decided to pick him up. But then he ended up injuring, I think it was his fifth metatarsal in his foot, season ender. So he was done in December subsequently the Mavericks waived him and he kind of rode off into the sunset he had to rehab and it was a very tough break for Omarui um and we didn't really hear much about him like there wasn't much G League tape or much noise in the first month I'd say haven't heard much wasn't on any radars OKC signs him to the dotted line over the weekend what a thunder move to do that was on no one's radar no one had known where Omaruyi was on the grid. He was in Oklahoma City getting ready to sign some documents, join on uh, join on for the team. But with Omaruyi, it's really interesting with him because not only was he really good in college, but he went the prep school route, and he actually has some ties with Lou Dort. Now, this isn't really a personal connection. It's more of just, hey, they kind of played in the same spot, but I think it's cool nonetheless. So... Omaruyi ended up playing at Orangeville Prep, which is in Orangeville, Ontario, graduated in 2016. Three classes later, Lou Dort graduates there in 2019. Dort has said a couple times that he used to kind of watch players in his hometown, like hoop at the parks. I don't think he played a lot, but he always observed maybe Eugene was in that mix Maybe they were friends when they were both at Orangeville Prep, but I don't have any confirmation on that. I just think it's a cool linking, and I said it on my Twitter too, but Dort has like this really good luck almost as a pro because hardly do you see these guys, especially in the NBA, like team up with their former collegiate teammates. Dort had the ability to be in the same city as Rob Edwards for two seasons. And Edwards was his college roommate and his freshman and only season at Arizona State. So they're able to hang out in the apartment all the time. Now you get Eugene potentially. And I know uh, for a couple weeks in the G League season, another former member of the Arizona State squad and Daquan Lake was also on the team. So he's had multiple longtime connections join the organization so kudos to him maybe just maybe Eugene gets added to that list anyways though like when I'm looking at Eugene he just checks all the boxes as a Thunder player and for the G League level it's showing a pattern for me if you guys haven't been observing the G League closely I understand I highly suggest you do especially this season Uh, but they have been a very fun team to be monitoring Melvin Frazier Jr. got his two-way deal to cap off this regular season, but he was actually with the team in the bubble year two seasons ago. 
So he was about one of four or five members who stuck around past one year or returned for this G League season. Saw an increased role, but with him, he's a six foot six, seven foot two wingspan wing. He plays multiple positions, and his calling card is defensively, he's pretty solid. He can also play in a catch-and-shoot situation as well, though. That's basically exactly what Eugene does, and he has damn near the same measurables, too. He's 6'6 with a 7'1 wingspan. His role is going to be very similar. Play defense and shoot off the catch. In terms of finishing and attacking the basket, that's going to come too, but his job is to be a plug-and-play piece. So the Thunder have this archetype in mind, and they've had it in mind for literal years. I continue to use Roberson and Houston as the poster boys. I know it's getting old, but use them as examples. Like They just kept going for these types of lengthy wings, see if they can play on both sides of the basketball. And they did that with their lottery pick this year in J-Dub. Guess what? He's six foot six with a seven foot two wingspan as well. So they're basically going to like the two K sort list, sort by wingspan. If you have a seven two wingspan and you're a shooting guard, you're gonna sign on to the team, and it's not a bad strategy. They have so many large guards on their roster, and just in general, some lengthy players. Sam Presti said it in his rookie introductory press conference that you know length. And size, they add time. On both sides of the basketball, they do. Because you can pass a bit easier just with you know the height boost. Defensively, you're able to use that wingspan to deflect passes or just you know block people's vision. That's going to tick off seconds on that side. And on the other side, it helps you out. So he has this blueprint in mind. And I think people haven't cued into it as much. But it's not only at the Thunder level. They do this at the blue level as well. And try to pan some diamonds. I think Yorgos Kalixakis is also in this group. Where I think he's 6'7 with... I don't remember if it's exactly 7 foot. But it's a pretty big wingspan to be adding to your roster. He's 25 years old. So this isn't a signing where you're looking at potential. You're looking at the now. And you're looking at... Is he going to be able to plug in and improve this roster? I think Lindy Waters the third is another great example of this. Because Lindy... He's also kind of getting up there in age. I think he's 24, might be actually 25 now, but, you know, it's not like he's a new kid on the block. You know, he's not 19, 20 years old. The days of signing Josh Hall are in the past. They're going for the Paul Watson Juniors. So we'll see how he tacks on. I haven't done any heavy digging into his play style, but I do enjoy the pickup because... I want to see how another two-way wing operates with this roster. I've heard people mention maybe they just added Eugene to spice up the training camp roster, make it a bit more competitive. There had to have been value from other teams for the Thunder to reach out and sign him to a two-way now. So I don't think the idea is to just cut him after paying him close to half a million dollars, you know. Me personally... I think that Gabe Brown would have been a good look for that second two-way deal. Really good sharpshooter, 6'7", small forward, which I think fits 
a little bit better in the rotation because he is a sharpshooter primary, can also slash a little bit, and he'd be a good plug-in piece for the blue when other guys are on assignment. I think with Eugene, it's not like he's going to be an entirely different player, you know, at the G League level and the NBA level. I think that um, it's essentially the same body of work that you're getting, and in some aspects, maybe it's not because I can tell you firsthand, like Melvin Frazier Jr. was one of the top options with the blue. And when he was with the Thunder, I know it was like three or four games. You could tell, you know, he was a corner sitter and you kind of have to go off of that. If you're looking for the best catch and shoot players, I think Brown was the correct option. But for all around, I understand Eugene and hopefully he suits up for summer league basketball. He pairs with Lindy Waters the third, though, and now you look to Summer League, might throw those two into the immediate roster, but we still don't know set in stone what this team will look like. And I'm going to be going to talk about just a couple of those guys that have signed Exhibit 10s or have had some inklings to being on this Summer League roster and tell you about them really quickly here. Talked about Eugene, so we'll blow by him. Want to talk about Lindy Waters the third though because I think the assumption is he's playing. He said right after the season the intention was he'd play. Mike Boynton noted that you know he'll see him in summer league. Mike Boynton is the OSU head coach, so I don't take his word likely. I think he's playing, and with him, it's going to be good to see him back on the court. Still kind of the same type of player. Shoot some three-pointers, play some defense. You're going to be locked and loaded there. I don't think he's really on the hot seat for his two-way contract. Paul Watson Jr. got to play about four months of basketball on his two-way deal. And I think he had more one-for-seven shooting outputs than anything else. So there's a leash here. I don't think Lindy Waters is on the hot seat. I don't think Eugene is either. But we'll get some action from him. No clarification on which summer leagues we'll see him in. But maybe he'll be suited up and ready to go for Salt Lake City tomorrow. Other players with the Exhibit 10s are Gabe Brown, Jaden Shackelford, Robert Baker, and we have a new addition in Devontae Jones. I've covered, I believe, Brown and Shackelford in a prior episode because they did get signed right after the draft. However, I'll just quickly give my takes on them again. With Gabe Brown, didn't play much until his senior season at Michigan State. Got to play as a starter, and he popped off 38.2% from distance on over five attempts per game. Sneaky hops around the basket. I think when you're talking potential risers in the summer league, you're going to have to mention Gabe Brown in the conversation just due to the way that he plays. And he's also 22 years old, so... It's not like he is very old up there, so could be some potential given he was a little bit of a late bloomer. As I said, I really like him as the second two-way guy. I know it's probably out of the cards. Really hope he sticks around as an Exhibit 10 signee and he remains with the OKC Blue. Jaden Shackelford also was signed to an Exhibit 10, so that means he would get a bonus If he sticks around with the blue, given that he's waived before the 15-man roster comes out. I don't know if you guys hear this, by the way, but there are fireworks. Um, I'm recording this (laughs) the night of July 3rd. But going on with Shackelford, he also 
had a pretty prestigious career. Played three seasons at Alabama, and he was basically the starter from the get-go. He was given honors for SEC All-Freshman, and he had two All-SEC nods in college. That was sophomore and junior year for him. Just wrapped up his junior year where he posted 16.6 points, shot 35% from three and about 77% from the free throw line. I don't think that he has the same route to the NBA as Brown. I think with Brown, there was a shot that he could directly beeline to that two-way deal with Shackelford. I think the best option is him working with the Blue and the G League and maybe getting attention elsewhere or just going to a different affiliate in general. Very good scorer. The passing was not kind of his forte, and I think that's what he needs to work on. But you could see why a player like Shackelford would be really valued at the G League level. You need to have those high output scores, pair them up with your playmakers. The Thunder are going to have assignments all the time this year, and I wouldn't be shocked if we saw that with Usman. Usman could use someone like Shackelford where if he you know, gets two people to drive inside, find the open man, if it's Shackelford, kick it out, he's able to hit it. Or just someone that you can lean on for a 20-point output. Lanes are wide open in the G League. It's a bit of a different game on the offensive front where you see a lot of dominant play off of like seven foot centers and speedy guards. I think Shackelford fills into that ladder hole and he's going to make a G League team very good this season. So he's going to be suiting up for, I believe, both summer leagues. Same goes for Gabe Brown with Robert Baker. I'm going to make the assumption he'll be playing in both Salt Lake and Las Vegas. Don't know for sure because the contract details were never revealed. He was the first signing for this summer league group, though. He signed last month, or I guess now it would be um, in May. I think it was late May where he made the summer league commitment. With him, I'm really high on him. He's 23, played with the Stockton Kings last year. And he didn't get to play much because they already had some NBA-level guys in the rotation. Basically, was a bench piece. Didn't play more than, like, 10 minutes a game, basically. So, he got a tough break. I really like his player profile, though. He's six foot ten with some sneaky hops. And he did a hell of a job in his limited minutes with the Kings. Shot 14 of 32 from distance in the regular season. That's about 44%. Shot 65% on twos. This is someone you're looking to kind of take and bring into your OKC Blue system. The Thunder have a really good record with bouncy fours at the G League level. And the last one I can think of is Tyler Cook. But Tyler Cook made his money's worth with the Blue, got traded off, and... Yeah, he worked his way into a couple different contracts. With someone like Baker, he's in his infancy stages as a G League guy because he didn't get to play. He's virtually a rookie. Pick him up while the stock is low. Try to bring him up as your four. I don't expect DJ Wilson to return. Jalen Horde, it would be his third season of returning, which is basically unheard of for the NBA G League. I don't know if we're going to see him again. So that means there's going to be a void at the four, and I would love to see Robert Baker kind of squeeze in and get that last spot in. 
Newest addition, though, that has been confirmed is Devontae Jones out of Michigan. Devontae, from reports, is only playing in Salt Lake. So that means tomorrow, running through Thursday, we're going to see some Devontae Jones action. He's a six foot one guard, 24 years old. Really good college career. Similar to some of these other guys, he transferred up to play in a Power 5 program. First three years were at Coastal Carolina, though, and it seemed like he just dominated the conference. He was the conference's rookie of the year. As a junior, he was the Sun Belt player of the year. And then he got to move over to play for the Wolverines. With the Wolverines, took a bit of a dip in averages but he was still efficient everywhere average 10 points four and a half rebounds and 4.6 assists very interesting based on his height as a junior he averaged 7.2 rebounds at coastal carolina and you kind of see that consistency where his career averages are like 12 5 and 5 or something so he's able to help in a lot of areas just as i said with shackleford I think this is a good G League player. I don't think he's going to make it to the Thunder's training camp, though. And based on him only getting to play in Salt Lake, I don't think he's going to be locked in for Vegas. I can't make that call just yet. Um, You can try drawing points off this, too. Like, if he's on the team for just Salt Lake, does that mean we won't see Teo or we won't see this point guard or that point guard? I don't know. But just know we get Devontae Jones playing for three games, so... We'll have fun evaluating him and seeing, you know, if he could emerge in the Thunder organization somewhere. Seems like he kind of plugs in and fills in the gashes on the rotation, though. And that gives us about five guys where we can say they should be on the roster. And in terms of confirmations, Gabe Brown, Jaden Shackelford, Robert Baker, and Devontae Jones should all be in Salt Lake City. Lindy Waters and Eugene are probably going to be there then you get into the question marks because they haven't released the rosters they very well could have while i've been talking here by the way but we don't know them yet because they're just so covert about it which you know it sucks for people trying to bring the news out but if they're able to do this at a small scale level i think it really shows how You know, dangerous they are almost in terms of leaking information. Nothing comes out of Oklahoma City, even the most minuscule transactions such as these. So we don't know outside of these four members. I know Rob Edwards and Jemias Ramsey haven't made summer league commitments. I think both of those guys are going to be in the summer league somewhere. I know when I spoke with Edwards in January, he said that he considered playing overseas, but given there has been no signing... I wouldn't be shocked to see him back with the Thunder. That's just me making rumors, stirring the pot a little bit. We don't know anything outside of that top four. So we'll see where everyone goes. I know that Giddy has been mentioned. Poku has been mentioned. The rookies might be there. Maybe they're only there for Vegas. It's just speculation upon speculation. We're going to dive into the details when they release the info, likely sometime today. Happy 4th, though, to everybody who is out there celebrating, launching fireworks, doing whatever it is. Um, I had 
a moment on Twitter on Friday where I was actually watching fireworks. There was like a, a concert as well. And I was six followers away from hitting 1,000 on my account, which you know, I've been I've been on Twitter for about two years now, I believe. But, you know, 1K, that would be a, a pretty nice milestone. So I sent out a tweet about it. And Al, uh, Al Baisley Cakes from <laughs> Down a Dunk, quote tweeted it, told me to throw a follow. I really appreciate you, Al, and I really appreciate everybody else who has joined and has followed. Um, you know, as I've said in this podcast, like I talk Thunder, I also talk Blue. There's not a ton of coverage for the Blue. I want to change that, and I think this year it's going to be very, very important because of the way the Thunder are sort of rebuilding. They're always looking to use this G League Avenue, and you can yield really good players out of the G League pool who can be part of your long-term plans. So, you know, keep in touch with that. If you guys have not already followed me on my main Twitter, make sure to check me out at Ben Kreider, or check out the pod's Twitter at ThunderstickPod. That's going to do it for today's episode, though, guys. I thank you all for listening, and I'll talk to you all next time. See ya.